Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and joining me to break down this crazy trade deadline for the Astros is Kenny Van Doren, who covers the Astros for Sports Illustrated and co-hosts the Astros Futures podcast with Jimmy Price. But bigger than all that, Kenny knows the best journalism school in the country from the inside out. Yeah, he's a fellow University of Missouri J School guy. M-I-Z, M-I-Z, man. Yeah, Z-O-U. Right when you messaged me the first time, you hit me with the, uh, you were from Mizzou, and I had to hit you back with the M-I-Z. I haven't done that in a couple months now, but it's always good to, reach out to a Mizzou Mafia member. Absolutely. Great to have you on for the first time. And before we dive into the trade line deadline, quick reminder to subscribe and comment on YouTube for everybody out there. Even if you're just listening on the pod, go to YouTube. Tell me what you think in the comments. Also, make sure you watch and listen to my conversation with Texans uh, guru, really. Jason Braddock uh, had it just within the last 24 hours. He's been over at Texans camp. Tons of great stuff from him. All right, Kenny, let's go through the trades. The first one. Trey Mancini and minor league pitcher Jaden Murray come to the Astros for Jose Siri and last year's fourth round pick pitcher Chase McDermott. What do you think about that one? Yeah, I think first off, the the one thing I would throw out there is that Jose Siri was traded. And when you look at what James Click got out of Jose Siri, it's an incredible signing that he had. So he signed him to a minor league deal who's on his last leg of playing professional baseball in December 2020. And he became a postseason contender. He played uh, center field half of the postseason games once Jake Myers got hurt. And James Click found value in him. And that's something you don't see a lot. And I think that's just a a good part of that trade that people are kind of uh, not underlining. And when you look at what Siri brought to the table, he ate a lot of that Trey Mancini trade. You know, he went to the Rays and the Astros really didn't have to give up much. But when you look at what Chase McDermott brought to the table, you know, high strikeout rate, you know, struggled with some command. Um, I was pretty high on uh, Chase McDermott, uh, Jimmy and I talked to him earlier in the season, uh, got a good um, you know, interview about what he's been working on, his fastball and his other breaking pitches, and a guy who's just going to strike out a lot of batters. And, you know, you've heard that people kind of feel like that was kind of a loss, you know, to lose him in the system. But another guy like Spencer Arigetti, uh, another strikeout guy from the same draft, college pitcher, is doing just as well in high A. And so those two guys were kind of battling for the strikeouts, for the most strikeouts on the team. And at the end of the day, the Orioles got got one of the guys. But my thoughts are for the Orioles is that they, they probably were all about Chase McDermott for a little while. Um, in the 2021 draft, they were five selections after the comp pick that the Astros had in the fourth round for losing George Springer. And so with that pick, they took a different college right-handed pitcher. So he was probably on the radar. They faced him the last two summers too in high A and single A uh, in North Carolina. So he, you know, he's been around, he's probably been a name they like, and not to mention the Astros half of the Astros front office is also, or you no know, former Astros front office members are in Baltimore, not the same ones that drafted Chase McDermott, but he, you know, he was there. Um, when you look at the return though, I, I think Trey Mancini was a safe option. You know, Josh Bell probably would have cost a little bit more. And I think, with Trey Mancini in the picture, you got a guy who can play left field, maybe a little bit of right first base. You know, he's definitely going to play a lot of first base, even with Yuli Gurriel's resurgence as a hitter in the two hole. Um, but when I look at, you know, the future of this team, you know, we're, we're recording this two hours before the trade deadline, they go after another bat. You know, you're going to see a lot of platooning, a lot of guys moving around. You know, Kyle Tucker might move to center if they grab another outfielder. Trey Mancini can play some left, keep Yuli Gurriel at first if his offense keeps playing the way it does. But Overall, it's it was a safe trade for the Astros, and they get another year out of Trey Mancini in 2022 or 2023 with a $10 million option. 
and Yuli Gurriel's off the books. So overall, just it was a great move by Click. And just picking up Jaden Murray, even better. He moves into the Astros' top 30 prospects list. Guy with a, he can strike out a lot of batters, and he doesn't walk a lot. Uh, I think he has two walks per nine innings, was one, what I noticed yesterday. Um, as a good good pickup there, and James Click probably knows him well. He was in the in the war room when they drafted him in 2019. Yeah, it's a real interesting deal because it's a three-way trade between James Click's old club, Mike Elias's old club with the Orioles. So it's like this whole uh, real, <laughs> real inner. It's an inner family deal almost among the three teams. And uh, you mentioned Josh Bell. I know a lot of Astros fans. I mean, you can talk to him, Kenny. They're, they're mad that we didn't get Josh Bell. He was a better player than Mancini. But this was about getting value and what you got. And Josh Bell was going to cost you a lot. And the reason why Josh Bell wasn't probably in, in a lot of trades is because the Nationals were eyeing this Padres deal with Soto. And the Padres have so much more value in their minor league system, so many more top guys that they could offer. And it's a great sweetener to put in Josh Bell and say, now we want this guy and this guy and, you know, raise the stakes on the Soto deal. I mean, you're getting Soto, but... Uh, to get Josh Bell in that deal too and and add value is a huge deal uh, for the Nationals, really. Yeah, when I, when I was looking at that trade today, you know, that's a good point you brought up. Is something that came to my mind was Josh Bell really available? You know, when they're looking at a guy, they're trying to package him and Soto get more out of it. And I, I don't know if Josh Bell was actually, you know, we knew that he was reportedly on the Astros' minds. They had, you know, trade you know, trade ideas for him, but, you know, was he actually ever going to be there? That's why Mancini just seemed like the safe bet, and you get another year out of him, and the guy can extend to other positions if they want to attack another player next season. You know, I, I don't think the Astros are as big on rentals. You know, we have seen them, you know, go after rentals in the past, but, you know, I think two or three years is always a good bet, and if they're trying to contend next season, which they are, Trey Mancini is the best fit because they have him locked down with that team option. Is it a team option or is it a mutual option? Mutual option, but I think it's referred as a team option on baseball reference for some reason, but it's a mutual option. Yeah, that's a real good part of the deal too. And, and the second deal, let's get to that one. Catcher Christian Vasquez, last year of his contract. So this is an expiring for minor league outfielder, Willier Abreu. A lot of Astros fans might not be familiar with that name. And minor league infielder, Emmanuel Valdez, whose bat has just been explosive this year in double and triple A. What'd you make of this one? It was a little surprising to me. Uh, you know, I think Christian Vasquez fits the Astros perfectly. I think the return was just a little bit like a head scratcher to me. I know a lot of people love Emmanuel Valdez. They love what he's been doing at double A. You know, he won Texas League Player of the Month for the hooks, got the promotion at triple A, and it just kept it alive. Uh, the only thing is that Emmanuel Valdez is more of a pure hitter. He's not really hitting for much power, even though he, he has a lot of pop, but his, you know, at max exit velocity isn't higher than 107. And, you know, the contact percentage isn't the greatest. But when you look at what he could have brought to the table, you know, he's playing more first base recently, second base, third, left field, a lot of versatility there. Him and William Abreu are Rule 5 draft eligible this winter. And, you know, after uh, escaping the Rule 5 draft last year, the Astros probably uh, didn't really want to have to deal with that again, don't want to lose those prospects, so might as well just try to get some value out of it. And a guy like William Abreu has been a walk machine in Double A. At one point, he had more walks than games played, more walks than strikeouts. Uh, the guy gets on base. They're both good lefty hitters. And it just the, the saddest part of it is I messaged Emmanuel Valdez once like he was reported as the return and he had no idea. He messaged me and he said, wait, is that true? Like he, cause he hadn't heard anything. So that's probably just the, the, the human part that we don't really see in those kind of trades that these players don't know 
what's exactly going on until the you know the team is going to tell them after it's reported. And just you know just to see that you know I think that those two guys are going to excel in the Red Sox system, kind of climb through AAA next year and be depth pieces. But I, I just don't think they were really on the Astros' radar for the team next year. Um, in terms of Christian Vasquez, though, it, you know they get another bat, another you know personal catcher out of him. It's just Mart. He's you know he can be like Martin Maldonado. He can. Uh, personalized with those pitchers. And he said in the press conference today, that's probably going to be his toughest thing is he's going to have to mesh with these pitchers. He doesn't know mesh with the whole pitching, pitching staff of starters, relievers, guys he's never played with, but you know, he, he hits well, 750 OPS overall, just, you know, a great pickup for the Astros. How does Vasquez compare defensively to Maldi? Because you know, that's going to be Dusty's argument to still play Maldi a ton. He loves his Maldi. You know, he gets it into his guys and he doesn't give them up too easily. Yeah, I haven't looked too much into that. Um, yeah, I, I think when I when I first saw it, I knew that, you know, Christian Vasquez has been around for, you know, 10 years now, and he's been a very durable catcher. He doesn't get injured as much. Um, I'm looking up his baseball savant page right now just to look at framing. You know, Maldonado isn't the best framer, but, you know, he guns pl- players out. I think he might have the most, one of the highest percentages of throwing out batters. But overall, you know, Cr- Christian Vasquez is, a, you know, mid-average framer. He's a 50, 50th percentile baseball savant. So, that, you know, it's pretty good for the Astros just overall. And it's probably going to be a little bit different for him, you know, not playing, not starting as many games. And we know now that whatever whatever catcher that gave the Astros, it wasn't Wilson Contreras. But they're going to put more, they're going to give more starts to Wilson. And you, you might see more some more pinch hitting from Vasquez, like what you saw with Castro in the last two years. And, you know, the, the tenure for Castro in his second stint with the Astros is probably over at this point. Uh, this, you know, the trade really hints that in the injury. Um, so overall, I think Vasquez isn't going to see as many starts, and I, I just don't think there's really some outliers that are reasons for him to start more games over Maldonado and Dusty Baker's eyes. Yeah, one of the things that just kind of goes under the radar, you, you bring a, a rookie up, and even if he plays well, he's a rookie. And and the experience, not just playoff experience on the field, but being able to talk to guys. I mean, I remember in 2017, I'm sure you remember this, Kenny, when a guy like Brian McCann, yeah, he was a, 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 a decent catcher, but he wasn't anything special as a catcher at that point. It was later in his career. But everybody that talked to you about Brian McCann would tell you what he was doing behind the scenes. You know, Carlos Beltran, I bring it up. We know about the other stuff with Carlos Beltran, but, you know, there were definitely things that had nothing to do with trash cans or cheating or whatever that Beltran brought to that team as well. And, having two guys like this, and then we're going to talk about Will Smith in a second, who just won the World Series. So, I mean, those guys have to be valuable, and especially Vasquez, who is a catcher. It's not just any position. He's a catcher, too, like like McCann was in 2017. Yeah, and I, I think we can compare it to another year, and I think 2020 when the Astros, you know, it was, it was a abbreviated postseason, you know, kind of a weird season, but the Astros didn't have somebody behind Maldonado. And I think the last couple of years, you know, I don't think they want to go back to that. You know, they Dustin Garneau and uh, Garrett Stubbs, who weren't playing a lot, um, you know, at the, at the uh, you know, behind Maldonado. I think Maldonado played in all, I think it was 13 games that postseason. He started 12 of them. And that's not something they want to put on their catcher. And, you know, just to have that experience behind Vasquez and just, you know, him playing in the postseason too. He's played in a World Series in 2018. You know, he's been around for a while. He understands it. And he can get personable with these pitchers. You know, he has two months to really get used to them before the postseason starts. 
And a guy like Corey Lee, you know, he came up, got a month of baseball in. He didn't have the best offensive month, uh, but they didn't really give him many chances with a bunch of the starters. I think most of his starts were with Jake Odorizzi. But other than that, it's good to see uh, Corey Lee up, and we'll see him back up in September when the rosters expand to 28. But I just don't think at the mo- you know, like you you mentioned, like the experience is needed, the veteran you know, approach from both of those catchers is needed. And the Astros finally got after that, you know, after they really didn't see much from Jason Castro this season before his injury. Unless I missed something, I guess Castro is still around on the roster. I, I know he's injured. I feel like, I don't know what you think, Kenny. It seems like this could be an injury that they're trying to extend to where you can at least have Castro on the roster in September. If they need him for any reason, you just don't have to release him or outright him or something like that. Is that, is that what you're kind of like he plays September and then he's off the postseason roster. I assume. I, I think Jason Castro's they're, they're supposed like you've heard from multiple beat writers that the Astros are supposed to tell them what's going on with his injury. It's a left knee injury. He had a knee injury last season. He's talked about retirement at the end of the year. And in my eyes, I think, I think it's over. Uh, I think Jason Castro is going to hit the 60 day, you know, here shortly because they're, they're, they need to free open a roster spot for Christian Vasquez. And I think that's the way it goes. I, I think Jason Castro's tenure is over, you know, sadly. And the way he went out though, you know, we didn't know that that was his last at bat against the New York Mets on June 28th, but a, you know, two run go ahead, home run for, you know, in the ninth inning, yeah, I think that's the best way for Jason Castro to go out, but I just don't see that see a spot on the uh, roster for him come September when the rosters expand. Let's get to the trade with the biggest question marks. And yep, yes, Astros Twitter, their favorite whipping boy, Jake Odorizzi, goes to the Braves for bullpen lefty Will Smith. Now, in any of these last few years, you'd be thrilled. Will Smith, he's incredible. He closed out the Astros in the World Series, but this year, his whip is 1.514. And Kenny, maybe they didn't need a lefty in the bullpen as much as we thought. When you looked at the numbers, the bullpen versus lefties has a 205 batting average against and an OPS against of just 552. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I think this was kind of a head scratcher. It's like only Will Smith, you know, for Jake Odorizzi. I guess the contracts kind of make sense. Both of them have options the next year. Um, overall, I, I think this was a move just to please Dusty. I think Dusty Baker loves lefties, but the Astros didn't really need a lefty. Like you said, you mentioned the splits and the splits for, um, Will Smith aren't even that great. I think he has an 800 OPS against righties, which is expected. He's a lefty pitching to righties, but against lefties, it's not as small as much, you know, as smaller. He's pushing 700. Uh, his curveball is nothing what it was. No spin on it anymore. He, you know, gets a lot of whiff behind his pitches. And I think that's going to be a project for the Astros uh, pitching coaches down the stretch to kind of mold Will Smith into the, to the lefty that they need out of the bullpen. I just don't think he's going to get a lot of high leverage to start. Um, you know, they're going to resort back to that uh, eight man bullpen with, until Lance McCullers comes back. And, you know, as we're recording this, we don't even know if the rotation's going to still, you know, still be the same. Jose Arquiti has been on the block. Luis Garcia could also be out there. Um, but overall, it, it's just a really interesting, like one of those shrug kind of trades. I saw someone describe it as that. It's just a pretty meh. I, I don't think it really changes much. I think Jacob Odorizzi would have been a good bullpen uh, pitcher come the postseason. He's been pretty decent in his last couple starts. You know, he's shaky here and there with injuries, but overall just pretty blah trade. Did you have a chance at all to look at Will Smith and some of the deeper numbers as far as, I don't know if this, you know, velocity has changed this year or is there something that we're not seeing that maybe 
has changed or was there an injury? Is there anything that can explain his big drop off other than eight? It's not like he's ancient either, but he's been around for a while. Yeah, he, he hit the injured list. I think last time he hit the injured list was in 2020. So he's been a pretty durable pitcher. I think, you know, just like I'm going to say it comes with age. I think stuff just doesn't really work out for him as much anymore, but overall he's, he's just not seeing the same spin on his curveball. I think his big deal when, you know, again, even against the Astros in the postseason last year is that he wh- he produces a lot of whiffs, you know, he gets past a lot of hitters and when you're not having your curveball do that, it's, um, it's really just not going to work out for you. And in the end, you know, when your best pitches are breaking pitches, you can't really resort to a fastball that doesn't have a lot of spin behind it. doesn't have a lot of velocity. And I guess I, I didn't really take a deep look at it yet. Cause you know, I'm still waiting on the rest of the, um, trades to come in, you know, by five o'clock today. But I just don't think, I think there's just something there that the Astros might like that they might change in his arsenal, maybe drop the curveball, maybe change his, you know, f- where he's throwing it from. But, you know, fastball is not very good. He just, you know, produces a lot of chase. And I think that's what the Astros like there. Do you have more confidence in Phil Maton than you would have in Will Smith uh, going against lefties right now? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think Phil Maton, you know, he has, he has a good fastball, even though it doesn't have a lot of velocity by, behind it. He can command it well. You know, he does give into some pretty, I, I wouldn't say as hard contact, but, you know, he gets into some jams like we've seen. But, you know, last time out, two strikeouts over an inning, and that's, you know, good progress for Phil Maton. And we, we've seen Phil Maton in the postseason. Uh, the guy was probably going to be the World Series MVP if the Astros made it to Game 7 and won. Um, but, you know, I think, like I said a little bit earlier, I think Will Smith's role is going to be in low leverage. And I think that's going to be where it starts. And by the time they reach the postseason, they'll see, where they're going to push him, you know, when those situations happen, when there's lefties in the lineup. So how do you look at it now? I mean, like we've said, and, and I, I will, I'll do a podcast of some sort uh, if there's another trade sometime later this week to talk about uh, any last second deals that the Astros have. We're, we're talking you and I just a couple hours before the trade deadline. I'm you'll see me like looking off occasionally because I'm looking for uh, any uh, tweets that are about the any kind of deals that the Astros would have. But how do you how do you look at the situation right now? Do you feel like the Astros were able to maintain with the Yankees as these two are kind of going neck and neck into the postseason and and they seem to be on a collision course for the ALCS? Yeah, I think when we looked at the beginning of the season, it was like Blue Jays-Astros. We saw that Blue Jays-Astros series, and it was just great. Like, it was back-and-forth games, just like the Yankees won. And we saw, you know, we got some, you know, snippets of what the Yankees and the Astros could be, you know, what it could look like come October. The Yankees have had a good deadline. Uh, You know, Brian Cashman's been doing a good job. Got Gallo off the books. Got a good prospect in return. You know, not to mention he fortified his bullpen even more. Got another starter uh, from the A's. And just overall, that team's looking pretty good. You know, Andrew Benatendi's there, and Aaron Judge is the best player on the planet. Um, it's going to be hard for um, Jordan Alvarez to really compete with Aaron Judge for the MVP, but he, you know, he's running away with it right now. And I think uh, 10 home runs in 11 games, something crazy like that. And overall, it, Judge is really just going to be the difference maker. It depends what kind of Judge you see in October. And the guy's October experience, he's postseason experience. And I, I think it's a pretty pretty good lock to assume that the Astros and Yankees are going up against each other in the, in the ALCS. There's not many real threats so far, unless there's going to be more trades this afternoon that are really going to compete with those two teams. Those two teams are going to get the first two buys. There's no one in the Central that's really going to compete with that. You know, it's like a three-way uh you know, finish right now for the AL Central with the Guardians, the White Sox, and the Twins. And I, I don't know how that's going to play out, but those teams aren't really going to battle for the World Series. 
I'm going to run through just the players that James Click has acquired in two and a half years, and I'm going to leave out a couple of guys, a couple of obvious guys. But Kendall Graveman, Rafael Montero, Ryan Stanek, Hector Neris, Yemi Garcia, Christian Vasquez, Trey Mancini, Will Smith, Phil Maton, and Jake Odorizzi. And Kenny, you go through those names, and they got all of that, and most of those guys have performed extremely well. It's a wait and see, of course, on Vasquez, Mancini, and Smith, but most of them have performed extremely well. Like I said, I'm going to leave a couple guys out, like Pedro Baez, but, I mean, James Click, for some reason I see people on Astros Twitter get mad at this guy. He's not doing enough. He hasn't done anything. He's living off of Jeff Luno's coattails. Look, he, he did all that, and what has he given up? What has he given up, Kenny, for all of those guys that have been super helpful in postseason and beyond? Exactly. Um, I don't think we'll know for a couple of years from now. Um, you see guys like Chase McDermott might you know, compete for a roster spot in two years, but I, 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 last season was inc- incredible. You know, he fortified one of the best bullpens going into October and barely gave up anything. Uh, you know, Brian De La Cruz went to Miami, had an explosive start to his major league career, really didn't do much in the last season. And just looking at what he's, what he's, you know, given up. And like you said, but when you look at what Jeff Luno did, you know, he blew up the farm system to get Zach Greinke as a big splash. I and mean, we haven't seen that yet. And I, I'm, I'm kind of not, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if that's going to be something James Click is going to try to throw at the deadline. You know, there's some big guys out there that might make this Astros team one of the best, you know, the best team in baseball if they go after somebody. But, you know, he's really held the farm system well. And the guys that he's drafted, I think he's only given up one in Chase McDermott in his last three drafts. And the other guys are still around. So I think he's okay moving guys that were, you know, acquired in Luno's era and just, you know, keeping the guys that he believes in and what his staff believes in. But overall, I think he's been a really good GM so far for the Astros. And I think one of the biggest signing, in my opinion, like the one that's probably had the biggest impact is Ryan Stanek, uh, one million dollars, 1.2 million dollars. Um, and the, before the 2021 season, he's turned into a high leverage piece that should have been an all-star. And I'll throw out a couple of other names that I, I didn't mention because we haven't seen them in the major leagues, but they could really matter down the road. You guys have talked a lot on Astros future about Logan Cerny. They only gave up Garrett Stubbs for him. You can throw in John or Diaz, who was part of the Maiden and Miles Straw deal, and that would be just a total, uh, a total heist if if he turns out to be a really good hitter in the major leagues as a catcher or catcher slash first baseman or whatever he is. He's sort of your insurance, I think. If if Vasquez leaves, I'm not super excited about what I saw from Corey Lee. Maybe there's more to come and better to come, but offensively, he's not going to be good. John or Diaz could be a really good offensive catcher for you down the road. So. I mean, that's all part of the equation. And I think when people are judging James Click, you have to remember that. And you also have to remember he hasn't had draft choices because of Jeff Luno for the last couple of seasons on the high end. And we're going to get to what he did this year in like two seconds. But also, he hasn't had a lot of the minor league guys that Jeff Luno did because Jeff Luno traded him to get Verlander and to get Granke and to get Garrett Cole. High end starters that you had to give up something you know, it might not have looked like a lot now, but it was a big part of your farm system and it was good guys to get, to, to get. But let me move to the Astros draft while I've got you here, because that's one area I'm just completely ignorant. And it's hard to get excited for me and a lot of people because these guys are years away. So what did you think of this year's draft? 
Um, I, I'm not the biggest fan of going after a lot of college talent. Uh, I like the high school guys, I like to see them develop, especially a high school pitcher is something I really liked, but it, it made sense. College outfielders were the way to go and you can extend them to three different positions you know, and first base. And you see guys like Drew Gilbert and Jacob Melton, you know, first and second round selections, awesome selections. I, I think Drew Gilbert was a steal that he fell that far to the Astros. He's a villain. You know, he's a villain at Tennessee. People didn't like him. People didn't like his emotion that he put into it. He's going to fit right in with the Astros. You know, he's going to be that fiery center fielder that they could possibly, you know, if he develops correctly, He's going to be a fiery center fielder in two years, two to three years for the Astros, um, turning a lot of heads with the way he plays. He likes to win. Um, overall, there's a lot of college guys. And I, I think it, when I really looked deeper into it, I think college players were the way to go. It's the safest option. You draft some of these uh, seniors out of high school or out of college, and they're going to sign. You know, they have no other, really no other choice. And you saved a lot of money. Went after Ryan Clifford, one of the top high school prospects. Um, with the 11th pick, and it made all the sense in the world. James Click, uh, Chris Gross, they did a, an amazing job trying to get those guys in. Only one guy didn't sign, and Isaiah Jackson, the uh, seventh, 18th round pick, outfielder from Arizona, high schooler. It made sense. There wasn't there wasn't enough money to go after him, but I think he was kind of like the fallback if they weren't going to get Clifford. Um, but you know, going after a lot of shortstops too, and pitchers, and there's there's a lot of molds there. Um, if you can play shortstop, you can play a lot of positions. And the position addition that they have in the Astro system is going to boost these shortstops chances to make the show one day. And they're not going to be shortstops forever. You know, they're going to move to center field. They're going to move to left field. They're going to have good enough arms to play right at Minute Maid Park someday. They can play first base. So there's, there's a lot of tools in there that the Astros liked and having pitchers that strike out a lot, don't walk a lot. You can't really teach command. It's a tough thing to teach, but you can teach players how to hone in on strikeouts. And that's what the Astros got in this draft. Yeah, for those who weren't paying a whole lot of attention, explain what the Astros did in the eleventh round. Why did how did they get away with doing that? Uh, why did they do it? And I guess a big part of that, right, is that they basically went all the way up to their bonus money, is about as close to the line as you could possibly go, and and they were able to do that. How did they do that? Because it seems like it's crazy that they were able to get a, a great value in the eleventh round, and you know, just explain that. Yeah, I'll try to explain this, you know, as easy as I can, but each pick has a slot value. Each pick has a value that, you know, that's what you, you should be paying them. And you can exceed that to get a guy to actually sign or you can underslot them, which a lot of teams are doing with college guys because they don't have another option. They're not going to go another professional route and try to make the, make the major leagues a different way. They're going to go to the, to the minor leagues. They're going to, you know, do it the traditional way. And if they underslot players from what they're actually worth, so say, a six round pick is worth $600,000. I'm not sure if that's the actual number, but you can underslot them, give them 20,000. What if they, they can, they're not going to say no. Um, you know, that, I think that's the best way you can explain it. The Astros saved a bunch of money up and then Ryan Clifford fell to the 11th round. Cause no one believed that he was going to sign there. You know, he's committed to Vanderbilt, good high school lefty. And they threw over a million dollars at him. I think it was 1.26 million and he accepted it. You know, he wanted to be an Astro and, the way they saved money by underslotting other picks before him and then throwing what everything they had left over is just, you know, it's a great move by the front office. Where should he have gone? So he was ranked in the top 100. I think uh, 97 might've been his number by MLB pipeline. So, you know, first two rounds, you know, third round at the latest, you know, a lot of those high school guys go earlier because they can throw more money at them based on the slot value. Do you think that it is no accident that the Astros drafted a couple of center fielders near the top of the draft, considering we have already seen Jose Siri is gone. I don't think they see Chaz McCormick as the center fielder of the future. Jake Myers 
doesn't look all that good. I mean, the Jake Myers that I've watched over the last few weeks is not the one that I was excited about last year. He looks like Chaz McCormick and Jose Siri and that he doesn't have a real command of the strike zone. And the guys that have really had success with the Astros and the ones that they've really loved over the last few years, whether it was Correa or Springer or Kyle Tucker or Jordan Alvarez have had great command of the strike zone and he just doesn't. And you can talk about the shoulder injury. You can talk about the arm problems, but my concern Kenny with him and then looking towards the future is that he is not able to improve a whole lot because usually if you don't have command of the strike zone by his age, I don't know if it just happens, you know, like two, three, four years down the road as he develops. Yeah, he's, he's not proven to be an everyday starter, even with they gave, they gave him almost every single start in center field this month. I think they gave like two to Mauricio Dubon and one to Jake Meyer or one to Chaz McCormick. And they're trying to get as much as they can out of him. The strikeouts aren't new, though. Uh, he battled a lot of strikeout issues last season. He chases a lot of pitches more this year. Uh, the power is not really there as it was. And I, I saw you tweet the other day, like, don't really look at Sugarland stats. And I, I kind of want to agree on that, but I want to build upon it that, you know, they play in the Pacific Coast League, which is all elevation. I think the Space Cowboys and maybe Round Rock are the only two stadiums not at high elevation. Yeah, that's and, what I was. That's part of what I was referring to, too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Oklahoma City isn't either. So, you know, these they are elevated surfaces, and that's why the, the numbers are so inflated. And you look like a guy, Corey Lee, didn't really have great numbers, got great numbers the month before he was called up. Um, but the offense isn't there for Jake Myers, and you can never have enough center fielders. You know, center fielders and shortstops, if you're going after position players, those are your best two options. Those are the athletes. Those are the guys who can convert to other positions. I don't think Jacob Milton is a center fielder of the future. I think he's a corner outfielder, maybe a first baseman. He's pretty tall. He's a lefty, and he can play first base. Um, Drew Gilbert's a center fielder, and I think when it comes down to the next couple seasons, those two guys will be, you know, fighting at the heels of Pedro Leon and um, other outfielders that might be approaching AAA. Yeah, Pedro Leon, that's another thing. I, I just am not real confident in what I've seen because he's he's stuck around the whole time he's been in AAA. He's been stuck around 220, 230, 240 very low on average. And, and and the OPS looks great. You go, oh, look at the OPS. It's over 800. But if power numbers are inflated because you're in Sugar Land and walks get inflated in the minor leagues because you're hitting against pitchers that don't have a whole lot of command, then I, I, I got real concerns about Pedro Leon down the road. Yeah, I, that's you know, that's a concern I think everyone's had over the last couple of months. But in the month of July, he had more, more walks and strikeouts. That was the first time he's ever done that in his two years of professional baseball. His OPS was the highest it's been. He's kind of quietly getting a little bit better with his plate discipline. And we saw that with Jose Siri a little bit last season in AAA, start taking pitches more. And that's what Pedro Leon is. You know, he's honing his zone. And I learned from a prospect a couple months ago that the Astros teach it's okay to strike out looking. You know, it's okay to take pitches. You just need to hone his own, hone in your zone and, you know, draw the box, you know, and understand the strike zone. And I think that's what he's doing more. You know, he might have some more strikeouts looking, but he's walking more. He's taking the pitches. He's taking close pitches because he's getting better at recognizing balls and strikes. Well, it is exactly 324 Central Time as me and Kenny are talking. We have not seen any more trades with the Astros. So we are sorry if there's a Jose or Kitty and Christian Javier and a package to San Diego for Carlos Rodon or something that that we missed. But like I said, we'll, we'll get to it in the next few days. It's at the Vandalorian, right, on Twitter? Correct. It's like the Mandalorian from Star Wars, but with a V. Fantastic. Go catch him on Astro's Future. Also, he puts up all that. You can look for his pieces. I'm sure he's tweeting them all out on his uh, Twitter site as well. 
with uh, Sports Illustrated. I'm just so proud of you as a Mizzou guy, what you're doing. And uh, you and Kenny do a great job over on Astros Future. And I always love hearing you guys. And thanks so much for doing this. Of course, thank you for reaching out. And feel free to reach out again. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.